podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to your Managing Madrid podcast for this uh, December 16th, the week of uh, December 16th. Your host, Gabe Lezra, and I am joined by Keon Sovani and Omar Vin. Guys, um, Real Madrid won, I guess, this week. I guess that's the uh, sort of the only kind of thing you can take away from from this match. Um, Madrid <laughs> won, Rayo Vallecano zero. Uh, in what is thoroughly one of the least inspiring wins I've ever watched in my entire life. How many times are we going to say that after a game this season? I just lost a lot, a lot. Once, once later in the pod, I get into like all the stats, like, and this is like the underlying stats between what Lopetegui did, which many, which there's kind of a consensus that it became bad at the end, and what Solari is doing now. I have a feeling that we're going to say this a lot, and that's that's not a good thing. <laughs> I I was writing the immediate reaction as I do for every Real Madrid game of my life that I watch, and uh, it's funny because like the first half I thought was like good in a sense, like and Om and I talked about this last week when I mentioned that the first half Valencia against Valencia was good. And then we, I think we collectively came to the conclusion if that first half against Valencia is in like the 16-17 season, it doesn't really stand out as much. But in a season like this, even the smallest <laughs> of things in our, in our low standards now, every, that kind of stuff stands out. Any, any, any half of competence. And I thought the first half against Rio wasn't like phenomenal. Like this Rio's not a great defensive. Actually, they're a pretty awful defensive team. Yeah. Even in this game, they didn't defend well. The first half was was okay. Um, and you had really good individual performances from Kroos, Benzema. And I think if you wanted to, to stretch it, Llorente was really good too. Um, actually, I think you can put Llorente in that conversation. Modric also looked himself in a sense. But then, like, as I was, like, finishing the reaction, by the end of it, you had the Courtois double save. I was like, I, I almost have to, like, rewrite everything because it really just, like, the vibe by the end of it was so underwhelming and, like, blah. That, right. You know, it just, it, it, it was just crazy. Like, you know, I know, you know what? Like, I think those two chances at the end really changed the mood of the game. I think if those two chances don't come and the game just ends, you're kind of, like, feeling okay about it. I think those two chances could have like changed it so dramatically that it really left the fans leaving the stadium yeah. like really upset. I mean, I think it could have changed the mood for other people, but not for me because I wasn't happy with what I was seeing. You know, even even when in that part where we were playing sort of well, and I agree that that it was better from from what we've been seeing in past games. I wasn't happy because it was kind of the same as the Moscow game because it was an individual taking over and making up for a complete lack of collective mechanisms. And in the Moscow game, it was Vinicius. And in the game versus versus Rayo, it it was Benzema. And it was one of Benzema's best games of the season. He essentially carried us. 
I think it was it took like until that goal we didn't have a single shot and we just had absolutely it, it's very it's very similar to what I I talked to you about Keon in the patron pod so I'm not going to repeat but a lack of collective mechanisms and it's Benzema just deciding to take over and say okay I'm going to go connect on the on the flanks where the wingers are positioned way high and there's just a complete disconnect. I'm going to go solve those issues and work ourselves up the pitch. And that was essentially how we scored the first goal. And for the next, that kind of lifted us, right? There was a sense after the goal that we calmed down a little bit. We got a little bit of our confidence back. And that's when we saw Llorente, Modric, Kroos getting involved, passing the ball about. We only had one really good chance after that. That was the Asensio one versus one. And we ended with six shots at the half, but we were feeling okay. After that, we had three shots in the second half. Our offense just disappeared completely because whatever momentum that Benzema goal gave us went, Benzema couldn't carry us forever. And it was just a matter of, okay, Rio can't create anything and we just seal out the game. And I think that's why the, the, the chances at the end gave fans a bad feeling because it was just nothing was happening that half. And then those chances came and there was so little that happened before that that dominated the way we thought about the game. But overall, I think if you're going to look at this game optimistically, it's going to be in a relative sense because really it, it wasn't the greatest performance. Right. It wasn't losing three, nothing you know, against Moscow in the Bernabeu bad, but it was, you know, so it's, it is marginally better than that. I, uh, what, what, one of the things that's interesting to me is like how this, team has continuously had these problems with creating opportunities uh, that I... So in previous editions of Real Madrid, I feel like we've had... uh, We've been able to credibly say, sure, Madrid didn't get great results, but they... You know, it's it's very hard to keep this team off the scoreboard. Like you, you're going to go into Madrid and you're going to expect them to go and score, or you're at least going to expect them to create chances. And one of the things that I've, we've been seeing this season that is just baffling to me is they went from a team that was, you know, regardless of all the other faults, like it was definitely a team that was going to score goals to a team that seems to be. I mean, how can you? I mean, if you're Real Madrid, you, they credibly had a had a had a had a half with three shots on goal. I mean, like. This is, this is not a this is not the Real Madrid team that we've seen the last few years, where they had a lot of flaws and that was always apparent. But the offensive, the, just the creative offensive capabilities, just seem completely, completely gone at times. Gabe, you are you are spot on. You are spot on, and this is where I'm gonna go um, later in the podcast with the underlying numbers parts. But I'll stick more to the schematic and tactical bit now. Yeah. And the reason we're seeing that, what you're saying, is because in the past it was kind of like, oh, we're giving away chances. You know, the way we're attacking maybe isn't optimal because we argued, you know, are we crossing too much, right? Can we diversify approach? That's not even the problem now. It's regressed. It's gotten much deeper. It's not a question of how how we're creating our chances it's our it's a question of can we and it, I, i'd argue it's even deeper not can we but can we even get to the final third because if you go back and just analyze the match using your eye test just looking at it from a tactical and schematic perspective right now we don't have an ability to break down opposition defensive structures whether that's a high press a medium block or, or a deep defensive structure we saw in the high press versus um huesca and versus abar 
We've seen it now with the medium slash deep block versus Moscow and and Rio Vallecano, and it's just I just can't see what Solari's offensive tactics are. Like I literally I I I don't know how to critique it because I don't know what they are. All I'm seeing is is just players just not really sure what to do, and then one. One individual attacker has to step up and say, I'm taking over. And whether that's Benzema coming and connecting with individuals and forcing us up the field, or Vinicius Jr. dribbling seven players at a row to create a chance. And that's 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 where we're at right now. And that's why I think fans tend to say, we suck, we suck. And it, it's not really that anymore. This time, there's a lot of seriousness when I say that we suck. <laughs> because... <laughs> Because these are problems that I I haven't seen since I've been a fan. I I haven't been a fan that long. Only since two thousand nine. I don't know if you guys have seen this be like that before, but this is the first time I'm, I'm ever seeing issues like this. I I don't I don't know if we had really detailed analytics for <clears throat> let's say like in the, in the previous decade, um, but I really felt like. This year really feels different in the sense that it feels like the the kind of the the, the dark years in when we kept bouncing out of the round of sixteen for like six years straight and really really felt it really felt like anyone could beat us. If you look at the numbers, like in the past four or five years, like stemming from the Ancelotti era, essentially the Decima era, we hover between ninety to ninety five xg. We're on course for like astronomically dramatically lower numbers this year if it continues at this pace like unprecedented if like my math is correct i think we're we're due for like 30 less goals which is crazy and this is like nothing it's nothing necessarily new in the sense that we didn't know this a month ago we knew that lopetegui's record and goal scoring drought was historically bad and then we had that little spike when Solari took over. But I think you know both of you are right. Just it, we have we have issues breaking down low blocks. We have issues getting out of a press. I think Llorente's helped us a little bit in those tight spaces. But Marcelo's passing hasn't been good in the past few games. Ramos, Dido Ramos, um, like people were criticizing Asensio on Twitter a lot. I get it. I don't think he's been good this season. Uh, I, you know, the, the, if he scores the chance, maybe it's a bit different the way we look at his game. I thought he was like trying to make good runs down the flank. Marcelo just couldn't get the ball to him, and he was overhitting passes. And and again, like like you said, Benzema came over and helped a bit. I don't I don't know how this problem gets solved. Like, someone on Twitter asked me if I can write an article like to give us hope. Um, there's like. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to write? I don't know what to write to right, give like, you hope. I'm writing a big article, and um, and it's not like a hopeful one. It's just like kind of about this transition. My only like way to give you guys like some comfort is like we're allowed to be bad some seasons, I guess. Yeah, it's, and, like it's fine. And it's a t- it's a bad year in La Liga generally this season. It's like not like Barcelona and Atletico's also look terrible. I mean. It's not like other teams are looking great. And that actually sort of reminds me of um, 06, 07, when 
actually no one was really good. <laughs> and Madrid kind of went on this strange run at the end of the season. They were playing a bunch of games that, where they looked just terrible earlier in the season. I mean, it was a team that was so bad, and they looked so bad that Capello got fired after winning La Liga. <laughs> like, it was a, like, it, that's, that's like the best possible scenario is something like that is what I'm seeing in my head. But like, even that seems out of reach. See, the the thing is, I would be okay. Like, I think it's okay. Like, the Lopetegui struggles we endured, I think that's acceptable. Considering we lost Ronaldo, didn't really replace him. You know, there was a bit of bad luck. Like, at, I mean, we undershot our XG, especially at home, by a lot. I mean, just take that Levante loss, you know, via what 11 taken 11 put out, which are the more reliable numbers. I think even if you look at Kaylee graphics, we, we should have scored like four goals. Levante should have scored one. We lost that game to one. Yeah. And, and there were some there were some schematic issues. Like if you look at our, our, our very deep completions and our XG and open play, it had decreased a little bit. But so I wa- I'm not going to use like other years as the the barometer for what we should be achieving as our salary. I'm just using the Lopetegui data. It's still way worse under what we have right now. And I don't know if that's acceptable because I, I feel like we can achieve more. And so even if we're setting the bar at, let's say, like the Lopetegui time, including like the bad, like the really bad games, which got him sacked, it's still way below. And that's what's scaring me a little bit. So, and it could, it could, it could get better, right? Like, we don't know. Like, we can say small sample size, sure, it could get better. But it's also jiving really well with what I'm seeing with the eye tests and also with things that Keon, Sam have observed with Castilla, and that's what's making me worry. So, Keon, I, I want to do just a last little bit before you we let you go. Keon has to run um, uh, little Lucas under the weather. So I just... Um, I just wanted to see if you know, see if you had anything else from your notebook that you wanted to bring up before we let you um, pop off, and then we um, uh, we'll talk about the statistics a little bit more. The the thing that came to my mind initially to, um, was the only thing I can say that I think is at least positive is that we're getting individual step up a little bit. When we weren't really seeing, we really felt it really felt like the whole team was out of form from like A to Z early on. At the very least, we see individuals carrying the team in certain moments, which happened against Rio, mainly in the first half. Um, against against Cheska, we got good performances from Asensio and Vinicius. In this one, we had Benzema, Kroos, Llorente. And by the way, it, it's interesting because every every game, I will write a little blur about halftime with some thoughts looking at the stats, going through my notes. And I realized one common thing in all my halftime notes was there was some praise for Kroos, which I think is at least a sign to like, man, you really notice it when he's not there because yeah. he's so he's so quick and vertical and surgical with his passing. He's so good at hounding. I don't, I get he's not great at tracking back. He's a bit lazy with it, but his hounding and his pressing is so good. And I thought that really set the tone in this game. So at the very least, individual performances are kind of being alleviate, elevated to um, a point where maybe they could, that those individual performances can win us some games. I think the pressing overall has been okay. Yeah. Um, trying to think. I mean, I mean, like, Ryo, this is the thing. I've watched a lot of Ryo this year, and they're not good. And they're just... <laughs> And 
And Raul Thomas, if he's not playing, that takes away like 50% of their attack because he's the one guy on their team. Uh, apart from Jose Pozo, who can who can create a little bit, Raul Thomas like the only one who can actually create a shot from nothing, like kind of the way we have with Mariano, or to obviously not nearly on the same level, but Ronaldo. But the same idea of just like being able right. to like be cold for the entire game, not touch the ball and pop up and score. He at least can do that. Without him, they really have nothing going. And yet they had plenty of chances. They hurt us in transition. Our left side of defense. Um, has been all over the place for a long time now. Right. Um, this is not and, a. This is not one of the the Liga's best teams. Like it. No. It should. And and that's something that really stood out to me too. Like going into this match, it's not the type of game that you expect. Or really a healthy. And by healthy, I just mean like the Real Madrid that that one expects to exist. Really shouldn't be having tons of problems with this this Rayo this edition of Rayo I mean they've they've had other ones previously but this one doesn't have a great defense hasn't really they been They have the third worst they have yeah. the third worst defense in the league by expected goals Right yeah. and they don't have a particularly strong attack so like really Madrid shouldn't have a such a huge problem with this team and it did feel like they especially towards the end of the match were just getting overrun and and it's just not not great Sorry I can't so- well, I think that was the worrying. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I think that was the worrying thing. It's that, and in, and in this game, Rayo didn't defend well. Like you see, there was a moment in the, the mm-hmm. second half which was staggering to me, where Asensio is completely alone behind the lines, and they, we get the ball to him, and we just don't take advantage of like this great opportunity. And that was like the, uh, like summed it up to me that Rayo can't defend and we can't create, and that was <laughs> that part of it was worrying to me. So I I just wanted to agree with a couple of points that Keon said. So the thing, so the part about Kroos, that that's a really good point, especially how he aids our pressing. So if you want to take one bright tactical point from what Solari has done, it's that he has continued the successful pressing that we saw at least in the early edition of Lopetegui. It has been fairly fairly good, and that is I've been surprised because by all accounts he he didn't really institute high press with Castillo, but he has successfully been able to do it at Real Madrid. And against Raya Vallecano, we limited, we limited them to about five passes before we instituted a successful defensive action, which is which is indicative of a very intense, very successful high press. And Kroos led the way. He had three successful tackles in Raya's half. And so that's something he gives us. But it's not something you can only say is something Kroos gives us, right? Because I think that's the one thing so far that Solari has done well. I think that was a good point to bring up, Keon. Uh, all right, Keon, we'll let you run. Um, oh, and let's just uh, let's jump into some chats. Buddy, um, give our best and our love to Luca. Will do. Thanks, guys. Right. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right, Om, let's talk, let's talk stats now that, now that dad's gone. <laughs> <laughs> So bear with me here because I have a lot to say. And then I'm probably going to miss stuff, Gabe. So if you have questions about what I'm saying, like you can ask me more. Yeah. Um, so I'll just I'll just start with the basics. So goal-wise, we're doing better. So just on the absolute face of it, we're scoring 1.6. And this is all for the league, by the way. I don't have data for the Champions League. And just to be league. clear, this is uh, comparing to Solari, Solari versus Lopetegui, right? Right, and it's their league. So 10 league games under Lopetegui, six league games under Solari. 
um, 1.67 goals per game under Solari and 1.4 under Lopetegui. So on the face of it, right, we're doing better. So now let's look at expected goals for 1.9 under Lopetegui. And we would have been expected to score 19, 19 goals, and we scored 14. So little misleading, right? I spoke about underperformance. Yep. For Solari, 1.52 expected goals per game we'd be expected to score. So that's 0.4 less than Lopetegui. And we'd be expected to score 9 overall, and we hmm. scored 10. So we're, about, we're scoring about what's expected, but the underlying numbers looks a little worse. If you look at our defense... We'd be expected to concede 1.3 expected goals per game one under Lopetegui, 1.41 under Solari. And so the net net XG per game is 0.11 under Solari and 0.6 under Lopetegui. That's so a big difference. That's a huge difference. Now, I'll just quickly go to shots. Net shots per game under Lopetegui, 7.5. Net shots per game under Solari, negative 0.3. Jesus Christ. So we've conceded we're, – we're, we're conceding less – we're conceding more shots than, than we are creating our own shots. So whatever we've been observing, it's not something we're making up in our head, right? It's, it's something that actually exists. Right. So now I'm just going to move to something called deep completions. And deep completions refer to passes that are within completed within 25 yards of goal. So I was talking about how we're not even able to get close to the box. That's This stat kind of describes that. And then I'm going to go to very deep completions, which is passes completed within 15 yards or less of the goal. So deep completions, this is 25 yards or less. Under Lopetegui, 40 per game. And we conceded 15.2. So that's a net of 24.8. Um, Under Solari, we complete 24.2 per game and we concede 20.5. And so that's a net of 3.7. So we've dropped in our deep completions by close to half from what we had under Lopetegui. And in very deep Jeez. completions... We have 6.2 per game. Uh, sorry, no, 13.2 per game. We concede 6.2. So that's seven net. And under Solari, per game, um, we have we have 51 total. So for some reason, I didn't calculate that correctly. So you can divide that by six, but it's just a huge drop. And we concede 8.33. So... We've gone from so so the thing with Lopetegui's very deep completions is that it was actually a lot lower than the average for the past six seasons, and we've gone way lower under Solari. So we have so if you look, you saw the expected goals figures. So we have a huge problem with creating chances, and that comes from a complete inability to get close to goal. So the very deep completions for Solari is 8.5. I just calculated that. 8.5 for game. We concede 8.33, so our net is 0.17. So that tactical thing I was talking about, about not being able to get past opposition defenses, is reflected in the fact that we hardly complete passes near the box in dangerous areas, and that's why our XG has gone way down. And on the flip side... Defenses are 
pretty much creating the same amount as us per game and completing the same amount of passes near our goal. So we're 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 just meeting whatever the opposition is throwing at us, and then look at the opposition we played. We played Rayo Vallecano, 19th in the league. We played Huesca, 20th in the league. Lopetegui, we played Barcelona. We played Sevilla. So we have these numbers while playing the worst opposition in the league. And that's why I'm so worried, because I've never seen anything like this in real in, in, in whatever numbers I've seen for Real Madrid. It's, it is really astounding, Uh because really, I think what some of these numbers are showing is the extent to which Madrid has actually gotten a little bit luckier, right? After after what it was, <laughs> yep. I think, overwhelmingly an unlucky era with Lobotegi, bringing Solari in. And I think it's a lot easier to attribute some of this stuff to just simple like mathematical luck than it is to say, oh, well, the new Solari team plays better defense or like is more clinical. It's like, it's not actually, it's just, it's creating fewer chances and it's allowing more chances. I mean, it's, I mean that, I think what really stands out to me is that that shots, the net shots like that can't be something that Madrid allows. It's negative. negative. I can't, I couldn't believe, see, I, before in the, in the podcast with Keon, the patron pod in midweek, I kind of offhand said the underlying numbers are way worse. And it was an educated guess. I wasn't just trying to make it up, but I hadn't gone down like I did now and put it all on a spreadsheet. It was worse than I thought it would be. I never in a million years did I think we'd have negative shots. Like I, I, I would be shocked that we've had these numbers since I was a fan. I don't remember anything in Madrid's history where that that would be true, other than in some of these classic defensive coaches. Like I brought up Capello, and like that might be a Capello type of stat, but like that doesn't mean that it's good or or useful. It just means that Madrid is is. I mean, these stats. Even a defensive team should theoretically be able to to create more XG, right? Like, that's the point of having a good defensive strategy is that maybe there are going to be more shots. Like, net shots doesn't necessarily tell you how good the shots are, but it doesn't, I mean... Right, but our XG allowed is almost the same as the XG we're creating, right? So we've created nine total, just a little over an 8.46 allowed. We've only conceded five, so as we've seen, we're getting lucky on that end, but we're basically just, we're 0.11 net XG, that's it's terrible. I mean, it's nothing. It's not. I and mean, so, <laughs> I legitimately with, don't know how to deal with it. I, it <laughs> even with corners, we're negative. So we're negative. Um, we're, we net negative one point three three corners per game under Lopetegui was three point three. So it seems unlike. And I mean, that's just reflective. So that doesn't necessarily say you know we're a great offensive team. What that does reflect is we're not getting in attacking situations a lot. So that just complements the deep completion stat. The only stat we're better at that I have recorded here, besides like the goals and goals allowed, is that we is the shots on the crossbar. So opposite the opposition teams are averaging more shots on the crossbar than they were in the local. They're hitting the post more. Right. Yeah, and so the only stat that's in our favor is one that indicates luck. So I just I just look at this and 
you you can throw all the tactical analysis out the window even though it supports all the stats I'm seeing because you don't even need to discuss tactics when the numbers are like this. Now, this is I, this is not to say that this guarantees that it's going to be like this forever. What this does guarantee is if Solari doesn't make a drastic change, it will be like this. That's what this tells you. I, it feels like the, the stats are setting us up for a real major course correction. And when that happens, it means that, I mean, because the advanced and, and kind of peripheral stats are not one of a top tier team. They're one of a like mid table team at best, right? Like if you're barely scraping above, you know, zero on your, your net expected goals. And if you're under on your net expected goals for shots, I mean, this isn't the peripheral stats that you'd expect of a, of a high end team. This is like, I mean, I, I would expect someone like Espanol might have these numbers. Yeah, this is this is not good. This is not good. As I mean, if you just wanted, if if all the numbers we threw at you were like overwhelming, just take away the net xg and the deep completions, which is just it. I mean, it's two things. We can't get near the box, and we therefore we can't create. And you're absolutely correct. This is not even under Lopetegui. It wasn't like what we were doing before was excellent, right? It wasn't historically Real Madrid good, but it was still top three. Now right. we're like, we're, we're smack bang in the middle. That's what's, not good enough. What's interesting is how, like the extent that the, uh, that I think that the, what the what the advanced stats have always sort of allowed, like the big promise at advanced stats, at least partially, has been to be able to tell people and show people possible future changes that maybe they wouldn't otherwise see. Like without these numbers, I'm not sure that, you know, I think you would still get people who are really would stick by this and say, well, this is just winners. He's just a winner. Like, you know, that's Mm -hmm. what Solari is. But I think what we can say is with, with some confidence that this is sort of a fake, this team is getting like, it's got the results are fake. They're not, I mean, like they're, they are getting these results. Don't get me wrong. But what I mean is, that it's more likely than not that this team is going to crash uh, and that we can kind of predict that in, in the next you know, bit of time, this Madrid team will start to come back to earth. And, and these, these peripheral numbers project that that is going to happen. And it's not going to be pretty if Madrid starts playing like the team that these numbers say they are or if they uh, if the results line up with these numbers or god forbid are even worse because obviously with any numbers like this it can always you can always get situations where you go for a couple weeks where you're undershooting what your peripherals are saying and i mean that could lead to a tr- like true catastrophe because these these numbers are so bad that if madrid even revert like regrets you know, regresses to just these numbers just you know producing fewer goal like you know all of this stuff then, uh, I mean, they're going to lose a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, so the key is that, um, I mean, you you got it gen- generally, but I just want to emphasize for the listeners, the key is that if things stay as is, this is what's going to happen, right? So this is not to say if Solari makes some kind of change right. that, that we're guaranteed to lose. But th- what it is saying is that a change has to be made. Yeah. And the reason that, like, I'm just... I'm 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 bringing up these stats and like 
and just using them as hard evidence rather than saying wait longer is because I've never seen something that lines up with the eye test better than what I'm seeing. Like, yeah. it, it just, why are the deep completions low? Well, look at the fact that we couldn't get past a press. Look at the fact that we couldn't break past, you know, CSK, Seska's Moscow's medium block because we had no collective mechanisms. Like, it's just... Everything you would expect to see if you were critically looking at Solari's game and tactics and the way Real Madrid were playing are reflected in these numbers. And it has to change, right? And and what worries me is that, like I mentioned before, we're doing this against some of the worst teams in the league. We're going to play Real Betis and Sevilla, I think, consecutively in like middle January or something. What happens then? Right. I, I got to hope that Solari, with, with the time given, really looks at what's happened here. And, and changes something because something has to change. Well, it's also possible that Madrid is looking to, to like looking at a very big embarrassment in the Club World Cup. But they're about to fly to um, uh, I don't remember where it is this year. Is it Abu Dhabi? It doesn't really matter. Uh, <laughs> but they're flying somewhere for this this shitty Club World Cup tournament that is totally meaningless. But also because it's so meaningless, it has this high level of embarrassment factor. Where if Madrid right, doesn't win. It's going to be a huge embarrassment for the club because they are the best team in this tournament, despite how they're playing. So I would say, like, I would still say we're the favorites, right? But the possible, but we nearly got embarrassed when we were better last year, right? Because of the complacency factor. And, you know, I, I'm not going to bet against Real Madrid losing the competition, but just imagine it wouldn't be the most unimaginable thing in the world no. with the way things are going. And the fact that our players don't take it seriously, right? So if you take us not taking it seriously with the fact that we just were bad right now. Right. Losing, I mean, that would get the fan base to just, there would be chaos. Like, because no one cares if we win this, but losing it, like, it would be like the Alcarconzo in 2009 when we lost in the Copa del Rey. It was, it was a disaster. Like, Pellegrini had to like win the Champions League after that to save his job because at the end of the season he was gone. I I, I don't know if it's going to be the same situation with Solari, but like I think that's what will get the fans to just freak out and it it, it will be ugly. Um, but I I think we're more likely to see a big team punish us if things don't change. I, and the thing is, I'm not sure. I don't understand how Solari is going to change because it's not change. It's he has to do something because right now I'm not seeing anything on offense. It's like he has to reconstruct a new plan. It's not like tweaks. And right. that's just, it's just not easy. Like, how do you do that? I, I don't know any coach who can just reconstruct their entire philosophy within a winter and present it. Like, I, I don't know how it's going to, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> we will see how it goes. I am not I actually am not optimistic. Personally, if I were a betting person and I'm a person who does wager occasionally, I never wager on teams that I care about, but when I if I do, if I were going to, I actually would bet you could get pretty good odds uh against Real Madrid in this and I as a you know, watching this team and watching the way that and knowing the way that, how seriously they take this conversation and knowing that the teams that they play against care a huge amount about it. I would not at all be shocked if uh, Madrid goes like goes home, and uh, without this 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 competition. I mean, they've been they God take forbid. It, do not take it seriously. God exactly. forbid. God forbid. It will, will be chaos like something we haven't seen in yeah. a long while. Seriously. Uh, so that's basically all I have to say about the. I mean, we didn't talk that much about the games. But that's all I have to say about this kind of 
terrible game. I'm happy to jump into questions if that's cool for you, dude. Yeah, I'm I'm good. I I think we'll continue to. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a short show, but like, right? There's, I mean, frankly, <laughs> this this game deserves a short show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, more. It's. Um, I mean, I think I'll just quickly say because I I mentioned this on the Patreon pod, but obviously that only a couple people are going to hear that is that um, I was speaking in a general sense with the stats, but for people that's too heady, I'll speak in a general sense with the tactics. So I, I talked yeah, to Keon thanks. about Solari. What I, what I'm seeing right now is Solari being maybe a good analyst, a man with ideas but he's really struggling to implement his vision because it's very, it, it's honestly easy to be like an analyst and identify problems. It's very, very difficult to be able to implement your ideas. That's what differentiates you and me and the people who manage Real Madrid. That's why we can identify tactical problems, but we'll likely never have the ability or the knowledge to go and coach Real Madrid because it's just difficult on another level. And if you look at Solari when he came and in the beginning, he prefers rigidity when he plays and he likes to position his wingers high and wide. So he wants really fast movements down the flank and he he wants this rigidity because it's just easier to facilitate possession play and also it protects against the counterattack. But then it makes it really easy to press us. So then versus Moscow, he switches it up. He, he brings Isco on the left, I think, and then Asensio on the right, if I'm not wrong. And then... Yeah, I mean, I love us since you on the right. It's so much. It's so much more fluid, and you know, it's somehow like in in that bit where they connect with Vinicius, we get a little bit more offense. But in that moment where the players start roaming a lot, we become so vulnerable, and we actually concede on the counterattack. So Solari is struggling right now. How do I take my original, more rigid philosophy and create chances? And if I change it we become more vulnerable on defense. And he's just really struggling with that at the moment. And it's just evident in the games. You can see what he tried to switch it up in at Moscow, and then he went back to his original plan by playing Asensio on the left, Lucas on the right, against Rayo. And then it was kind of the same problem with the rigidity, and it only worked when Benzema started coming in. And so he... He he knows kind of what he wants to do, but he's not seeing the results of his ideas, and therefore he doesn't understand how to change his vision. And that's a common problem with all but but with like point zero zero one percent of coaches. So I, I I feel for him. I really do. I don't enjoy criticizing him the way I've been criticizing him now, because I really feel for how difficult. It is, but I mean that's the job, right? I, he's managing Real Madrid. Yeah, he is, and that is—I mean, he signed up for it. It's not—it's not an easy job. It's a very rewarding one, but it's not a super easy one. I get it, but that's—that's that's the way it goes. The, this is the—the um, the path that he's walking, um, uh, for better or for worse. Uh, so, I mean, I, I would also add that it is very much a neutered Rayo team that we played because Raul de Tomas really is that team's attack. Um, Raul de Tomas obviously is a Real Madrid loanee who uh, has a clause in his contract that basically says you can't play against Real Madrid. So um, he was not available for this match. Uh, so on, on, on top of this, we weren't even playing against a full strength Rayo Vallecano, which makes this match even more pathetic on some level. Uh, yeah, it's not great. Not great, guys. Not great. Not great. <laughs> um, 
sorry uh, to all the people who are tuning in to like listen to <laughs> optimism and happy. I mean, like, we, and we've we been so us- over the past, we've been so good about being optimistic and excited. But like, I, I genuinely believe that this is a strength of our show that we know, like we, we back our, our feelings up and we're not just telling you our guts about this stuff. Like we have reasons that we will either previously we'd been optimistic and why right now we're not. And I hope that you understand that that is something that is very thought out that we've done a lot of thinking about. Right. We're not relentlessly negative. Like, um, (laughs) even so, even if there is like one person, like say me who writes an all time bad article about why Zidane shouldn't be the coach. (laughs) Everyone, everyone around me is saying that Zidane should be the coach. So never as a collective, are we just, it's not our thing, right? To say this person sucks. Like we don't believe in them. We don't want them. Like, cause that's what we argue against the fan base doing, right? We don't want that. We want more optimistic, critical thinking because it's just a more enjoyable, more rational place to be. But I cannot, objectively and i cannot honestly look at what i'm seeing and spin this in a very optimistic way besides isolated things like the high press is good like factually it's been good statistically what you see on the pitch has been good and some individuals have stepped up other than that it's it's not good i just have to be frank and i'm sorry if if this depresses you because it depresses me as well but that's that's what i'm seeing from my yeah my opinion honestly that's what i'm seeing all right I don't have I, I, I literally that's that is the end of the things I have to say about this. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm ready let's to do our questions. Let's do some questions. As you all know, five dollars a month gets you access. So three dollars a month gets you access to every show that we do, including our patron only content. We do those a couple times a week. They're awesome. Um, five dollars a month you get all that plus um, we Promise that we answer a show of your or a question of yours on every show. Uh, Ten dollars a month we give you a shout out, but really, most importantly, ten dollars a month and up, we toss you into our raffles. We get a, uh, a series of incredibly awesome gifts that we give away: signed Sergio Ramos jerseys, tickets to the Bernabeu, that kind of stuff, um, and and whatnot. And then there are higher rewards that are awesome um, at. Higher levels, you can get Keon to write an entire article for you, which is really dope. Um, and if you want to uh, uh, really toss out some, uh, you can come on the show and join us for an episode. So just ch- check it out, patreon.com slash managingmadrid. Um, you can check out all of the different rewards that we have there. So let's jump into some of our guaranteed patron questions after this very unpleasant match. Um, all right, Sajid Riaz asks us, um, says, I humbly concede you guys were right. Solari is absolutely useless. Four shots on target and us huffing and puffing to a 1-0 win against a relegation team that played such a high defensive line and didn't even press. And of course, he's on the verge of chasing one of our midfield prodigies, Isco, away, subbing even Ceballos, um, Valverde, and Vinicius ahead of him. His stubbornness and arrogance is going to cost us both on the field and off the field. I really hope we get rid of his toxicity at the earliest. You know what, Ohm? I I don't disagree with that. I think his well, tr- the way he's treating Isco makes no goddamn sense. Uh, so, and... go ahead, go ahead. No, that's it. That's the end of the story. I mean, like... <laughs> so, so I mean, I mean, I think 
just Saji's objective point is correct because it's agreeing with what we're saying. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with like the aggression with what he's saying, but I very much understand like his emotions. Um, it's always easier to, for me because it's like literally my job to try to be more objective. So like I, I I generally have gotten used to like putting my emotions aside, but I think I think it should be right because Solari isn't doing this to us on purpose, right? Like he he's genuinely trying his best. So like I'm never gonna feel any ill will towards him. Um, and I don't think anyone should either. I think there's objective criticism, even if you're being harsh, and then like personal anger. Um, as to the Isco point, so like Keon has mentioned a couple times, like there was like an attitude issue with Isco. I think that's over now, especially when he was started with Moscow. And I think the reason that Solari went like after starting Isco went back to not starting him has to do with the tactical reason because his philosophy is one where he likes the wingers high up the pitch, disconnected from the field. And, and that was why we struggled versus Rayo. And that's why Benzema had to come over because we just couldn't progress because Asensio and Lucas were always just trying to run off the shoulder. Every single time we were trying to run off the shoulder of the defense. And that's why Marcelo's passing accuracy was 77%. It was the worst because he was constantly trying to play these lofted balls and it didn't work. And Isco, Isco just naturally is not going to do that. Even if you tell him to go run off the shoulder... He, 50% of the time, he's going to come deep to get the ball. And that was something Zidane loved, and that's something Solari doesn't like. Solari wants his wingers to play in a certain way. And the one time he asked them to play in a different way, it didn't work, and they got worse defensively. So Solari doesn't know how to incorporate Isco into the side yeah. in a way that like makes it successful. And I'm not saying it's not possible. I think, I, in my opinion, the best 11 has Isco in it, our current best 11. It's just that it just doesn't fit Solari's philosophy. I, I, at this point, I don't think it's personal anymore. I think Isco and Solari have gotten over their personal issues. I, I think it's just tactical now. And I disagree. I disagree with that. I think that's Solari's fault. But I don't hold it against him as like, you know, mm. Solari, you asshole. You hate Isco. I don't think that's the case anymore. Interesting. All right. I, I, yeah, I actually don't know enough to, to know what the hell exactly this is about. But I, I think that you're right, that it makes a lot of sense that after some period of time, they, they, you know, our professionals have had to deal with each other. And, and it is true that Solari's, you know, tactical structure doesn't really allow for a player like Isco, just because Isco is such a inventive, uh, offensive player that he doesn't really stick to one area. He really is mm-hmm. this uh, player who's always going in search of space wherever he's going. And mm-hmm. this this isn't a thing that jives particularly well with a very rigid structure that Solari is trying to create. So I, I get that. That makes that makes sense. Um, but I also wor- I genuinely worry that he's gonna like drive away other free agents if they see like someone as talented as Isco being kind of Mis- feeling like is if there's some sort of mistreatment there. <laughs> That's possible. I just want to quickly add as to the point about the personal issues. I'm just 100% going off what Keon told me personally and, and in previous pods because he seemed to know a lot about Keon's this. He told me he's extremely he told in me he, touch, man. Right. He told me he spoke <laughs> to journalists on the ground who knew what was happening. So this is not something I'm making up. This is coming from Keon's side, and I, I trust what he's saying. He doesn't. He just doesn't say this for the sake Sources of Sources say... Keon doesn't like making up rumors. That's something both him and I hate. There get, was an issue. We get accused of that shit all the time, though. <laughs> <laughs> it, there was a personal issue, and it was Isco's fault um, because he, he didn't respect Solari after Lopetegui left or whatever, but it's most probably been resolved 
after he started versus Moscow, and Solari started praising Isco again publicly, I, I, I really think it's tactical. And as unfortunate as that is, it's not something that I can, you know, hate Solari for. It's something yeah. I can criticize, but I can't be like, you know, Solari, you suck because of this. Like, you hate Isco. I don't think that's the case. I, I also, yeah, I don't think that's the case. Um, Abdullah Al-Shalan asks us, um, this is an unpopular opinion, and I might get stoned for saying this, um, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ramos hasn't been a good defender in this season and the last. It feels like he lost some space and agility. But what worries um, me most is his positioning. Too many times he's got caught chasing a striker. I know Marcelo and Kroos on this side don't help, but he can't keep committing risky tackles so high up the pitch. Let the midfield do the pressing, not the center backs. Ramos should slow down um, the opponents to make uh, time for the midfield to cover and support. If we are putting three goals a game, then let's see some good defending at least. Um, shout out to Llorente. I hope he goes from strength to strength. Me too, man. Um, so what do you think, Om? Do you feel like the, this is a warranted criticism? Uh, so I'll just I'll address the part when he said this season and last. I'll address the end last. I don't think it's warranted to say that last season he was bad. I thought last season was actually one of Ramos's top three defensive seasons, mainly because that was one of the seasons where our defensive structure was the worst. And I felt like Ramos just held the ship together along with Varane. Varane, who had his best defensive season ever. Um, and it, especially in big games. I mean, they just came up big time and time again, and they were exposed constantly. This season, I agree. I mean, I don't think anyone has really been that great consistently you know Ramos has made his mistakes on defense Varane has not looked that great but the thing with defenders more than any other player and this is why I'm not that sympathetic to the idea that defenders should win the Ballon d'Or is because defenders are affected by system more than any other player so I mean I I I fully believe that Chiellini Bonucci Barzagli a great defensive line but what was more significant than their skill was the defense that Massimiliano Allegri had them under. Yeah. That system is just more consequential defense. That's just how it works. And I don't need to tell you. We all know that it's just not. It's just been a mess this season. And so Ramos, I'm sure Ramos hasn't, you know, been up to what what his potential is. He, he's notorious for being a little inconsistent at times. But it's. The system is the issue, especially with defense. Like it's the situations you're putting your center backs in, and we haven't been putting our center backs in great situations this season. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think that Ramos. I don't know. I I, I think he has actually. There is a little bit. Um, I think it's a fair point that he's that he may have lost a little bit of step or so, but I don't think that that means that he is somehow like trash or bad or even worth considering as not an elite like you know center uh, center back or anything. Um, and it's, I think it's also really hard to analyze this over the course of a season with so much change, right? Where you have right. tons of managerial change, your defense is actually going to be one of the first and most long like with have the most impact long term of all of these different things i don't know right so i mean i i don't know if he's lost a step that's just really hard to analyze like you can just count the amount of times people 
Bill said Bill's not fast anymore, and then the next right. game he like outspeeds yeah. an entire team. That's hard to judge. I will agree that Ramos has, has not been as good as last season or whatever season you think Ramos has been good in, but that's not like a revelatory statement, right? Like the right. only player who has been consistently good this season is Llorente. Even Marcelo, who has been our best offensive player in the past after injury, hasn't looked that good. So everyone's everyone's not been as good so like on i mean just on that basic fact i have to agree there's no real argument uh let's jump into our our last question here this one came in after the seska game and before this one it's from um zoran bosanchich um he says zoran says guys they're not all trash Uh, but saying that anyone was sharp or even good is deceiving. We shouldn't fool ourselves and say how it is. We're bad and in desperate need of radical changes. I'll support and defend my team till the death, but we're all Madridistas here and should be honest with one another. The bar should be set higher, and whatever we're, they're doing on the pitch right now is just not good enough for a club like Madrid. Also, there are no words to describe the bail situation. Being great now and then isn't good enough. There's no consistency. He's supposedly our best player, but spends half the season injured. Right now, we could use a better ROI on those wages. But we'll get through this. We always do. At least we have some great prospects in the squad. A la Madrid. Uh, so this was to um, Keon and I in the last pod. We were talking about how the individuals basically carried us so i think zoran after hearing us what we said before this pod you'll know that we're being as honest as we can here and that we're not trying to sugarcoat anything but the point i think may have missed the point a little bit if i'm understanding correctly is we're not trying to say that real madrid played well versus seska what we are saying is that the issues are now far deeper than the individuals to the point where the individuals are keeping us at an average level. And I, I would say that a lot of our attackers were sharp. You can't, Vinicius Jr. can't complete seven out of 11 dribbles and not be sharp. Isco can't complete five out of five and not be sharp. Asensio can't complete five out of six and not be sharp, right? Like Asensio was, was involved with Vinicius and Benzema to create one of our best chances of the game. Yeah, I'm not going to say they're fantastic, but if all of our players are underperforming at the same time, despite rotations, despite injections of youth, the problem has to be deeper. It, it just can't be this coincidence of every single player performing badly. I, I, it has to be a schematic issue because you have to look at the factor that's affecting everyone, which would be the tactics. Or maybe some motivational issue, but I don't think Solari is like demotivating the players. I think, I think it's schematic. And I think the match versus Rayo further supports that, like, at this moment in time, it's not everyone, but each game, one individual is stepping up to keep us average. And Rayo was Benzema, and versus Moscow, it was Vinicius and somewhat of Asensio. And sure, I, I agree that Bale, Bale needs to step up as well, but in the current schematic conditions we're in right now, it doesn't really matter individuals will continue to step up but this is as good as it's going to get we need we need to fix the deeper issues here yeah it it, it it's gone from like okay players aren't really performing well under Lopetegui with some small schematic issues to okay everyone's not great deep schematic issues right. to the point where individuals are stepping up just to make us look not so bad right yeah i i don't have anything to add other than that that's 
it's exactly how I feel. Um, I, I I think even sh- trying to circle one person in particular, like just say, oh, Bale's and you know not good enough. I just think it misses the point, sort of in 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 what's going on with this team. Frankly, uh, this is a like when you're talking about systemic issues, choosing one specific player versus uh, you know kind of understanding it as as a structural thing is is part of the problem. Like you, can, this isn't a just oh if he would only play Isco, this would all be fixed. No, like this is a. What Solari and what we've we've seen this season is a structural problem with Madrid and not a. I don't even think. I mean, frankly, this isn't a personnel problem. I don't think that this is this is a squad. This is a bad squad in any stretch of the imagination. Mm. I actually think it's quite deep and good. It just it's a there have been structural problems and trying to change tactical schema a lot during you know a period of six months or whatever is not great. No matter how bad you think this squad is, you can't possibly think it's bad enough to be outshot like our yeah. net shots be negative two. Like that's just not possible. Like I understand there's like there are fair disagreements about how people see Asensio's potential, about how good Bale is. I mean, I argue Bale hasn't performed in the way we wanted him to, but it's it's clearly not just that, right? Like clearly I, I, we're at a point now where it's schematic. I think I think we've done a pretty good job of laying it out. If if you disagree, I'm very interested to hear, you know, you can tweet at me whatever comment under this this article about that is gonna be posted on about why you disagree because I, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this because I don't want to come out and say that we're in a really bad place because it's such a huge claim to make, especially because Solari hasn't been coached that long. I really thought about it. I, I think I brought up the statistical evidence, I brought up the tactical evidence I think that's what it is. Yeah, man, that is uh, what it is. Um, all right, with that, this is the end of your Managing Madrid podcast. Uh, remember, you can hit us up, um, patreon.com slash managingmadrid. Um, we will be back. We have um, tons of stuff coming out. Keon has his recap show uh, this week. A couple of them. we got a Lone Tracker podcast, Castilla podcast, uh, and uh, Ohm, I'm sure, has – Got some good uh, articles coming up. But anyways, until next week, uh, a la Madrid. Woke up again to my chagrin. I'm getting sick and tired of feeling sick and tired again. I tried to write because I got the right to make it look as if I'm doing something with my life. Got to find a vein. It's always the same I drink to ease the pan The canvas on the fire And I woke up again Drank the gun and got And I'm sick and tired of looking at him Been up all night, I probably picked a fight Cause I can't help it, I'm a bastard in the morning So they try to write, I think I have the right A little drinking now and then to help me just to see the light Just another day, it feels like nothing's changed
Social Podcast Network.